Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 191. Episode 191 of The Informed Catholic. So, before we begin, please subscribe and share to my podcast. This would help a great deal. Um... The more followers, the more people established audience, it would help the podcast to grow and to spread, Um, you know, Anchor and Spotify. Those are the ones I distribute my podcast through. And also there are other podcast platforms that uh, help distribute my podcast, like Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and Outcast. (laughs) So please... um, help out it will be a great deal now um <clears throat> before we begin let's also say a prayer let's let's say this prayer for america all right in the name of the father son and the holy spirit our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Guardian of the Church and Terror of Demons, pray for us. St. Thomas More, pray for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. St. Augustine, pray for us. And St. Michael the Archangel, defend us from evil and pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, we are almost... Well, we're now over a week. Probably when you guys hear this, it'll be Wednesday. I'm doing this Tuesday night. But it is practically a week. And um, we're in the new drama. It's amazing the drama we've gone through um, with this presidency. And I guess, why should we be surprised? Um, Michael Voris of Church Militant did actually predict they would try to steal this president's this election from him. All right? Why was it that he was right? Why was it that he could see this? He saw it coming. I think because he's a very practical person. He's a, he's a conservative with a very logical mind and... He saw how much these people hate him. Now you have people like Whoopi Goldberg and the uh, <clears throat> all the uh, anti-Trumpers say, telling the Trump people to suck it up and deal with it when for the last four years they've been claiming that his presidency was illegitimate. I don't know what is it about this polarization. This The, the, the people on... The left, or you can say the radical left, it 
it's like they live in another world. It's like they're bipolar. And I'm not trying to be mean. But you ask them why they hate Trump. They don't like his attitude. They don't like the way he talks. They don't think he's presidential. But they're not giving you a logical answer. They're not giving you real legitimate answer. You're talking about his personality. Look at his work. All right. He has taken us out of war. The A lot of these generals, <clears throat> these uh, uh, generals in, 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 in the Pentagon and military, they're not actually happy about that because that reduces them their need for work. And a lot of these guys actually have a very close relationship uh, with the arms manufacturers. In many ways, these men were uh, lobbyists for the arms manufacturers. I mean, think about it. No war means no weapons being bought or lesser being produced. And you go back, we've had this war starting from 9-11 under George W. Bush and Cheney, which has placed us almost 20 years of war. If you go further back into the Middle East through the first Gulf War, you could say it's even more than that. And how many soldiers have to come back wounded warriors with missing arms and limbs? Granted, if 9-11 is understandable that we had to have a retaliation, but we wanted to find the terrorist, the cause for that problem, and we wound up having a Gulf War. We have to stay in Iraq. Then from Iraq, we had Syria. And then we had ISIS. And how many soldiers came back in, in coffins? How many of them came back permanently damaged and wounded? Let's face it. We've had a, a long history of war. Iraq, Syria. We were dealing with protecting oil of other countries and we were taking the brunt of it and we weren't getting anything out of it. We became the world's police. Donald Trump pulled us out of that and these people can't see it because of their hatred for the man. And because the man was an insult, his election was an insult to their elitism, to their pride, to their vanity. Well, Good, I say. Well, anyway, before we go further, I have an article here from LifeSite News. It's by Michael Warren Davis. It's an opinion piece. How Donald Trump paved the way for an authentically Christian Republican Party. Sooner or later, the day will come when President Trump will be succeeded by another pro-work Republican. And this new pro-work Republican will trounce the socialist, welfareist, globalist, racialist Democrats. This was Tuesday, November 10th, 2020. And I'm going to agree with this. I'm, I, I said it to you guys before. He wins this. And I believe he will. With our prayers, he will win this. Now, it's not all about Trump. <clears throat> it's about 
It's about the fact that he's changed the Republican Party, made it an authentic, conservative Christian party. Not just for Christians, yes, for Jews, for people who believe in their constitutional rights, the right to bear arms, the right of freedom of speech, the right um, to assemble, the right for freedom of religion, these things that are very important and they're in danger. The Democrats have created a party that is elitist, um, very socialist, uh, authoritarian, Marxist attitude, anti-religious, uh, amoralist party, party of death, party of abortion, the party of transgenderism, LGBTQ, the party of um, the very globalist elite tech giants, powerful people who want to control speech, who have control the social networks, Facebook, Google, Twitter, all these, all these, these, these people are stuck up, sour people who look, who thumb their noses down at the rest of us. Okay. Um, and it's they their their college they, they they go to universities they uh they're the party of uh intersectionalism of racial um critical race theory racial uh, uh ideas feminism they don't believe in the constitution they want the constitution to be whatever they want it to be. They want, they, they believe in a living constitution, an evolving constitution, um, based on the philosophy of relativism. The constitution will be, and your bill of rights, your rights will be whatever we say it is for that day or for that year, whatever we think is needed. They look at people as numbers, statistics, they don't look at people as people. This is what it is. So let's begin this article. All right. So let's begin. Uh, Life site news. How Donald Trump paved the way for an authentically Christian Republican Party. Sooner or later, the day will come when President Trump will be succeeded by another pro-work Republican. And this new pro-work Republican will trounce the socialists welfareist, globalist, racialist, Democrats. There's a lot there. By Michael Warren Davis, November 10th, 2020. This is actually from Crisis Magazine. Uh, they, uh, they, they printed, they borrowed, they got permission. We are a working class party now. That's the future. Senator Josh Howley. That's great. I like, I like hearing that. I have held off on writing a post-election column, hoping against hope that the votes would be counted quickly and fairly. I suppose that was naive. At this rate, and regardless of who wins in the end, half of the American people will feel cheated out of victory. One thing is certain, however, in 2020, President Trump won a larger share. 
of non-white voters than any Republican candidate since 1960. It is rightly being hailed as a sign that normal Americans reject the Democrats' politics of racial resentment. This is good news for conservatives and very good news for Christians. The Democrats went into this election assuming they would win by a landslide. Thanks largely to black and Latino voters, that blue wave never appeared. However, because the president actually won more votes from every demographic group except old white men, of course, critical race theory has always been more popular among affluent whites than poor minorities. That's why professional wokesters like Robin D'Angelo and Nicole, Nicole Hannah Jones spend all their time in corporate boardrooms. It's also why most anti-racist rioters are pale, skinny teenagers. So, we can't say for sure how many of our countrymen actually view the United States as in a thrall of systematic racism, but some do. The mobs that sacked Portland and Kenosha certainly do. All the Democratic Party's rising stars like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar are deeply sympathetic to these racialists' narratives. All of them believe that one standing in, in this country is, ought to be determined by the color of one's skin. Not the content of one's character. They believe that Pernosha's old lie that demo, demo, uh, demographic is destiny. The great Catholic intellectual L. Brent Basel took on this mentality, which was evident even then on both the left and the right. In The Sin of Head Counts, his brilliant 1971 essay in the New York Times, Basel notes that dem demographic minds look upon the human race as a crop for which, alas, supply and demand are seldom equal. For, ex uh, seldom equal. for example, there is a boy in Bombay, a little fellow. His stomach is swollen. A single rag hangs about his loins. His face is drawn well beyond his eight or nine years. He wanders apparently aimlessly through the squalid streets. There is greater supply of him than there is demand. He disturbs the ecological balance. He is socially inconvenient. The demographic mind eyes him and observes it, would, observes it would be better had his father been sterilized or his mother aborted him. Or better still, had he never been conceived, he disagrees. Does this sound like any Trump supporter you know? Of course not. It does sound a whole like Nancy Pelosi's Democrats, 
whose solution to poverty among black folks is for black mothers to kill their children in the womb. No black people, no black violence. And while we wait for blacks to abort themselves out of existence, stick them on the, the dole and keep them locked in their ghettos. Problem solved. Yet this demograph demographic mind also sounds like a particularly nauseous elitism espoused by some never-Trump Republicans. For instance, in 2016, the Newsom Kevin D. Wilmson of National Review had this to say about poor white enclaves in rural America. The truth about these dysfunctional downscale communities is that they deserve to die. Economically, they are negative assets. Morally, they are indefensible. The white American underclass is enthralled to a vicious, selfish culture whose main products are misery and used heroin needles. Donald Trump's speeches make them feel good. So does Oxytine. I'm guessing it's a drug. What they need isn't an analogics, literal or political. They need real opportunity, which means that they need real change, which means that they need U-Haul. Okay, that was interesting. That was an interesting one, that last paragraph there. Now, what I think that person was obviously pointing out is how, in a sense, the old Republican Party and the Democratic Party have, in many cases, been one and the same. Um, technically, a, a rhino Republican like Mitt Romney will do everything to agree with the Democrats. And if he does that, then technically, what difference is it between a rhino Republican and a Democrat? They're technically one of the same. Let's continue. Speaking of National Review, remember how we said that President Trump won more non-white voters than any Republican since 1960? That was the year the GOP first nominated Richard Nixon. In the next election cycle, 1964, they put up Barry Goldwater. Goldwater was committed to a new fusionist conservatism, an unwholesome cocktail of social traditionalism and economic libertarianism invented by National Review's founder, William F. Buckley. I remember him. He was Catholic. In other words, there was nothing truly conservative about Goldwater or Buckley or Mr. Williamson. Fusionism was, however, truly novel and truly incoherent. Old school conservatives like Peter Weirich and Russell Kirk warned that such a garbled ideology would succeed only in robbing conservatives of our credibility. After all, how could we claim the moral high ground on social issues when we espouse the economics of social Darwinianism? Interesting. 
1992, Pat Buchanan made one final appeal for the Republican Party to serve the interests of Main Street, not Wall Street. Alas, he didn't succeed. But 24 years later, and running on a platform virtually identical to Buchanan's, Donald Trump made it to the White House. (laughs) President Trump offered a new way forward. He rejected the Republican establishment's market fundamentalism. He also rejected the Democrats' commitment to welfare state, which they intend to fund through high taxes on multinational corporations. If you haven't noticed, those corporations are happy with that deal. That's why they funnel so much dough into progressive campaigns. They're only too glad to pay a little extra in taxes if it means they they uh, they get to abandon American workers with their occupational sa- safety laws and collective bargaining in favor of Chinese wage slaves. Okay, that was very interesting. I like that. That answered the question there. Did you hear it? Let me read it one more time. Trump offered, okay, just actually let's go back a little bit to the, to the, to the paragraph here. In 1992, Pat Buchanan made one final appeal. Pat Buchanan is, is a, was, was a Republican, but he was also a Catholic. Pat Buchanan made one final appeal for the Republican Party to serve the interests of Main Street, not Wall Street. Alas, he didn't succeed. But 24 years later, running on a platform virtually identical to Pat Buchanan's is Donald Trump, and he made it to the White House. President Trump offered a new way forward. He rejected the Republican establishment's market fundamentalism, He also rejected the Democrats' commitment to a welfare state, which they intend to fund through high taxes on multinational corporations. If you haven't noticed, those corporations are happy with that deal. That's why they funnel so much dough to progressive campaigns. They're only too glad to pay a little extra in taxes if if it means they get to abandon American workers with their occupational safety laws and collective bargaining in favor of Chinese wage slaves. So you see, that's why they're friends with Joe Biden. That's why they 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 funded his you know, the the Democrats. They have a close relationship with the Democrats because. Therefore, they're willing to pay those high taxes, which means nothing to them, because in return, they'll make that extra money back in Asia, in China, a communist China, through their slave wage uh, workforce. In other words, they they basically can can make all the the iPhones and the tablets and all the other stuff through slave labor. And then sell it back here, even though the American worker doesn't have any work and we get what you call universal income. We don't have to work. We lose the passion to work. 
there'll be elitists here who like the Hollywood elite and the and the corporate Hollywood elite. It all it all will work well for them. That's why they're so willing to to keep this close relationship with unions and everything. So we're getting cheated. The Democrats know what they're doing. They know it. They want this. They get kickbacks. They get some something underneath the table. So they're going to use, you know, they'll use a slave force in Asia. They'll use a slave force in Africa. They use a slave force in South America. And they'll, and they'll, and they want it to stay that way. They don't want to pay our health care. They don't want to pay you your, your, your wages. They want to make sure that they keep the power and, and that means the money and that means slave labor and a welfare state in the, in the United States. Welf, uh, slave labor in Asia or Africa or South America and a welfare state here and they get to sell and make their, make their money. They don't care. They don't care if it's wrong or immorally wrong. Okay. Instead of the president, instead the president promised to bring back jobs from overseas his economics nationalism gave thousands and thousands of Americans a chance to make an honest living for themselves and their families. In 2016, the president America first economic agenda appealed more to white voters than to blacks and Latinos. But clearly, non-whites are coming around. Working class Americans of all races are beginning to realize that infanticide and welfareism are not paths to a brighter future or any future, for that matter. They want the dignity and independence that comes from honest labor. They don't want to abandon their communities. They want to see them flourish again. They demand the right to their own destiny and to hell with demographics. <laughs> so, I like that last part. Okay, they don't want to abandon their communities. They don't want to see them. They want to see them flourish again. They demand the right to their own destiny and to hell with demographics. You see, yeah. I'll, let me read that whole paragraph. It's only part of it. Twenty in twenty sixteen, the president's America First economic agenda appealed to more more to white voters than to blacks and Latinos, but clearly, clearly, nation non-whites are coming around. Working class Americans of all races are beginning to realize that infanticide and welfareism are not paths to a bright future or to any future for that matter. They want the dignity and independence that comes from honest labor. They don't want to abandon their communities. They want to see them flourish again. They demand the right to their own destiny and to hell with demographics. Catholics should be on board with this agenda, 100%. Many Catholic Democrats have for years insisted that Christ's injunction to help the poor compels us to support the Democrats' welfareism, but they're wrong. Catholic social teaching has always emphasized the need for dignity and prosperity through work. As Pope Leo XIII wrote in his landmark encyclical, encyclical Rerum Neverum, the labor of the working class, the exercise of their skill, and the unemployment of, uh, I'm sorry, the employment of their strength. Let me read it again. The labor of the working class, the exercise of their skill, and the employment of their strength in the cultivation of the land 
and in the workshops of trade is especially responsible and quite indispensable indeed. Their cooperation is in this respect so important that it may be truly said that it is the on, only it is only by the labor of working man that the state grows rich. Did you get that? The labor of the working class, the exercise of their skill, the employment of their strength in the cultivation of the land and in the workshops of trade is especially responsible and quite indispensable instead. There, uh, in, in, I'm sorry, indeed, their cooperation is in, is in this respect so important that it may be truly said it is, the only, it is only by the labor of working men that's, that the state grows rich. Work free working people that the state grows rich. Likewise, in Pacum Interis, John the twenty third declared the government is also required to show no less energy and efficiency in the manner of providing opportunities for the for suitable employment graded in the capacity of the working of, of the workers. It must make sure that working men are paid a just an equitable wage and are allowed a sense of responsibility for the industrial concerns for which they work. In Cantesmus Annas, John Paul II specifically condemned the welfare state, which he warned leads to a loss of human energies and an inordinate increase of public agencies, which are dominated more by bureaucrat ways of thinking that they, by, uh, than by concern for serving their clients, and which are accompanied by an enormous increase in spending. In Sacradum, Sacrad, um, okay, the last one was by John Paul Castanmas Annas. Maybe I might have gotten the name wrong. In Castanmas Annas. John Paul has specifically condemned the welfare state, which he warned leads to loss of human energies and inordinate increase of public agencies, which are dominated more by bureaucrats' ways of thinking than by concern for serving their clients, and which are accompanied by an enormous increase in spending. In Sacramentum uh, Cretatius, Pope Benedict XVI said, work, uh, work is of fundamental importance on the fulfillment of the human of the human being and in development of society that thus it must always be organized and carried out with full respect for human for human dignity and must always serve the common good and we would go on to let it, to let it um suffice to say that our holy mother church is pro work and thanks to Donald Trump so is the republican party this isn't a partisan statement. It is a matter. Of, it is a matter of fact. So let so let's never hear the seamless garment crowd nag. Uh, uh, seamless garment crowd nag us about how we must be. We must be a single issue voter. Democrats are the party of abortion, welfare, and um, racial determinism. Republicans are the party of life, dignity, and freedom. For Catholics, the Catholic choice between the two couldn't be clearer. Let me go further. Had the media not spent the last six years tearing President Trump as a racist, I wouldn't be surprised if he won half of non-white votes, ha you know, votes handily. His policies are were 
manifestly the uh, manifestly the better for the poor folks, especially blacks and Latinos, than any of his predecessors. In the last fifty years, it's wrong that he doesn't get more credit for his accomplishments, and it, and it may have cost blue collar voters this election, but sooner or later the day will come when the president, when President Trump will be succeeded by another pro work Republican. It may be a Senator Josh Howley, or it may even be Tucker Carlson. In any event, it will be impossible for the media to tear him as a racist, to tar him as a racist, as they did President Trump. Nobody will be believe them. And this new pro-work Republican will trounce the socialist, welfareist, globalist, racialist Democrats. This, this may be President Trump's most enduring legacy. The transformation of the GOP into a party that supports the interests of of uh, of ordinary, hardworking American moms and dads. Wow, this is really a great article. I love it. All right, so let me read this part here, and we could go on. Let it suffice to say that our Holy Mother Church is pro work. And thanks to Donald Trump, so is the Republican Party. This isn't a partisan statement. It's a matter of fact. So let's never hear the seamless garment crowd nag us about how we mustn't be single-issue single voters. Democrats are the party of abortion, welfare, and racial determinism. Republicans are the party of lifelong dignity and freedom. For Catholics, the choice between the two couldn't be clearer. Let me go further. Had the media not spent the last six ter uh, years tearing President Trump as a racist, I wouldn't be surprised if he wouldn't have non-white voters hand, uh, hand, handily. His policies were manifestly better for the poor folks, especially blacks and Latinos, than any of his predecessors in the last 50 years. It's wrong that he doesn't get more credit for his accomplishments, and it may have cost blue-collar voters this election. But sooner or later, the day will come when President Trump will be succeeded by another pro-work Republican. It may be a Senator Josh Howley. It may even be Tucker Carlson. It, in any event, it will be impossible for the media to tear him as a racist, as they did President Trump. Nobody will believe them. And this is new pro-work Republican will trounce the socialist, welfareist, globalist, racialist Democrats. This may be President Trump's most enduring legacy the transformation of the GOP into a party that supports the interests of ordinary, hardworking American moms and dads. That, too, will be a great boon to, a, to Christians, no longer bound by the dogmas of market fundamentalism. We'll finally be able to help build a real po uh, politics of charity, one grounded firmly into the church's social teachings. We won't have to stand shoulder to shoulder with contemptuous social Darwinians like Kevin D. Wilson will be able to offer a, a preferential option to the poor without infanticizing them, leaving them to beg for their milk and bread from the nanny state. We can help them to earn their keep like men. We can't un underestimate what revitalizing influence this may have on the church in America. Ever since Orthodox Catholics became a shackle to the free market orthodoxies of the National Review set. 
set our intellectual life has been malformed, incomplete. Our moral um, witness in politics has been stunted. As Kirk and Buchanan, both Catholics, warned that it that it would be, we were taken. We've taken bribes from div, uh, from dives when we should have been fighting for Lazarus, from divas when we should have been fighting for Lazarus. Pope Francis once said, I can only say that the commies have stolen our flag. The flag of the poor is Christian. He's right. And thanks to Donald Trump, we have the chance to take it back. Before we close, let me say that I do believe that Democrats are in the process of committing election fraud on an unprecedented scale. Unprecedented scale. I believe that President Trump will have won this election by landslide, were it not for the uh, na nationwide vote rigging operations being committed by, by agents of the DNC. Yes, I have also never been more optimistic about the future of, of the American politics. The Republican Party is doing what it never thought was possible, making inroads among non-white voters and under a president that ma mainstream media has relentlessly try to slander as a white nationalist, a new generation of capable and intelligent conservatives like Senator Howley and Mr. Car uh, Carlson stand ready to ensure the Republicans' establishment moves forward with President Trump's reforms. Meanwhile, globalist plutocrats like Mitt Romney and their handmaids in conservative media Kevin Williamson, Bill Crystal, Dave French, and the like will either go over to the Democrats or else fall in, into irrelevant irrelevance where they belong. Take heart, my friends. A new day is dawning for the American right, and the, and the fight has only just begun. Published with permission by Crisis. This is great. And he's right, because it's changing. But the problem is... There is a lot of African-Americans, a lot of Latinos that don't see this, that don't understand this. I don't know why, but they just don't believe it. I think a lot of it has a lot to do with the fact they just don't think there can be any other way. Saturday, around 1130, when all this came out, that they thought that, that uh, Pennsylvania would go to Trump, a lot of people, a lot of people, cheered uh even co-workers i know one co-worker who's in a hospice she's dying of cancer and you know she served in the army african-american and she she really thinks that joe biden will be a better president but what they're looking for is really the welfare state to comfort them and help them. She's dying of cancer. She's in a hospice. And I think her views, unfortunately, she's a Protestant. I think she's religious. Uh, you know, I, I believe she's religious. And I know from her social media account, she um, she holds to a LGBTQ uh, culture. Her attitude about sexuality is um, very uh, not, let's say, conservative. And there's a lot of people who are like her. 
I guess maybe because of the way they've been raised, the way they, maybe their lifestyle or whatever culture. I know she has a brother who's autistic. So there's a lot, you know, there's a lot on her plate. There's a lot on her side that she's had um, to struggle with. I mean, once she's gone, I don't know what's going to happen to her brother, but this is, it's a, it's, it's a common fact. A lot of people who come from her, you know, her, her background had, have had a lot of struggles and disadvantages, but at the same time, her, you know, she may be conservative on some things, but again, she's liberal on other things. So there's a lot of moral, moral issues, but a lot of people think that the Demo- that the that the Democrats hold, uh, you know, are actually there to help them. I don't believe they are. I don't believe they are. I think the they use poverty to gain power. They use social injustice and racial injustice to gain power. And like like what he just read, they're willing. The the, the big techs and big corporations are willing to pay that tax. But they know they're going to make more money. They'll make more of it back in return when they when they when they take their manufacturing overseas to a slave market. Now, if we are willing to do that, so that we can get we we, we can get some comfort, so we can get the food we need, we can get all the other stuff we need, we can get all the health care we need, even though it may not be the best but we'll take what we can take that, you know, you know, what, you know, what we can get from this um, welfare state, then we're also committing a sin because think about the lives we're making, the misery we're making by agreeing to this kind of thing. What about those poor people? We take, we take the welfare state and in return, we give them a, a, a life of slavery Where's the justice there? You know, where's the justice there? What happens when we stand in front of our Lord and then he says, you know, he he judges us for this. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound good. Not, no, it doesn't sound good. I don't think we're going to make it into heaven because of that. And then at the same time, Planned Parenthood, aborting babies, killing, you know, you know, and, and then, and then, and then, then gender ideology, all those things, you know, sorry, no, I, I don't think, I don't think I can accept that. Remember what happened when our Lord went to the desert and he was tempted for 40 days. Satan, Satan asked him to take bread and make, uh, take stone and make it into bread, feed the whole world. Satan took him to the top of the world to on uh, top of the temple to jump off and show the world that you are the Christ. Exploit your power. Why hide it? And then the last part. I will give you all the kingdoms of the world if you f- fall down and worship me. No, absolutely not. In other words, I'm not going to willing I'm not going to share this with you. I want you to to make me part of it. I want you to be, go into partnership with me. And I'll give you all this. But you have to give allegiance to me. Well, 
Dictators do that. Powerful, corrupt government people do that. And who gets, who gets stompled upon? The innocent, other people, your neighbor, your family member. That's what happens with power. Power corrupts. Our Lord rejected it. So anyway, I'm glad I, I'm glad I shared this. I hope I did a good job with this. Um, and, um, well, <laughs> but the thing is, we're going to have to, there's also, we have to support him with our prayers. We have to, we, we need to pray that we can, you know, we can get through this. We need to pray because I believe he needs our prayers. All right, guys. Um, I'm going to sign out now and we'll be back together again soon. God bless.